1965, associate of, excuse me, assistant Florida football coach Dwayne Douglas and kidney disease specialist at the University of Florida, Robert Kay, they got together and they were trying to figure out, they were doing research, they were thinking, now why is it the football players, when they practice and when they have games, why is it they sweat so much and yet they use the restroom so little? And so they're doing all this research, and what they find is that the body loses a lot of electrolytes, right? And so that means you're losing a lot of potassium, you're losing a lot of sodium. And so they said, we, we've got to fix this. How can we give our football players more energy? How can, we, how can we make it so they can have better endurance when they're out there on the football field? So they came up with this concoction. They took some water, they took some sugar, took some salt, and they mixed it up. They put it together, and then they gave it to the football players and said, hey, this is really going to help you have better endurance and more energy during games and practice. And the football players, they drank it, and they said, this stuff is horrible. <laughs> we don't ever want to drink this again. Thankfully, Dr. Cade's wife jumped in. She said, how about if you add a little lemon juice to it? And that was the moment Gatorade was invented. Now, um, if some of you can remember back in those early days, it was called the thirst quencher, right? Gatorade, the thirst quencher. And that was the purpose of it, to quench the thirst of all these athletes as they're sweating profusely to help them get the electrolytes they, they need back. I can remember being in high school and, uh, and even college and, and playing sports or, or working, landscaping, and, and being done at the end of the day and going to the grocery store or the, the gas station or the local Quickie Mart and going inside and grabbing a Gatorade, which back then, some of you remember, it was actually the, the, the glass bottles. You remember those? Like you didn't drop that one, right? And so you would drink this whole thing at Gatorade and you're like, man, this stuff is awesome. This stuff is great. One time I got a little adventurous and actually bought the Gatorade chewing gum. You ever had that before? It's not the thirst quencher, it's the thirst starter, right? Terrible. I don't think that went very far. But anyway, there, there are things that we would drink, especially something like Gatorade, to quench our thirst. And today, the question I have for us is what do we drink to quench the thirst that we have? Today we also finished up our series called H2O. If you haven't been here over the past few weeks... This is a series that we have been in, and, and what we've been talking about are events in the life of Jesus, and each one of these have been connected to water. And so we talked about the baptism of Jesus, we talked about turning water into wine, we talked about the Samaritan woman at the well, we talked about Jesus walking on water, we talked about last week washing of the disciples' feet. And so this week we're going to talk about another event in the life of Jesus, all right? But here's the deal, there is no water. And it'll make sense as we talk this morning. If you have your Bible, you can turn to John chapter 19. John 19 is where we're going to spend our time, starting with verse 25. Hey, if you don't have a Bible, don't worry. We put it up here on the screens. Uh, there are actually Bibles in the seats in front of you. Uh, feel free to grab one of those. Uh, those Bibles are free. If you need a Bible, if you know somebody looking for a Bible, grab it, take it with you. You don't need to tell anybody. You don't need to hide it as you leave. Take it with you. It's good to go. You can follow along on the Journey Church app today and take notes that way. You can also take notes on your program. But here's what it says. John chapter 19, starting with verse 25. It says, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. We have Jesus, he's on, on the cross, and there below him are four ladies, uh, mom, family members, 
family friends, and then his best friend, John. Now, it's interesting what happens here. I mean, they're there to mourn, right? And, and as we look here, as we read this part of what we're reading today, we find Jesus tells John, hey, I need you to take care of my mom. This was strange. This was abnormal. That was not the structure for families in those days. In fact, what would usually happen is if the oldest son died, then the next oldest son would take over and it would take care of the family and would take care of mom. What this tells us is that something's not quite right in Jesus' family. In fact, who's not there? Because Jesus had brothers and sisters. They're not there. And so if you look back a little bit, you find this moment where Jesus is in this one particular place. And his family members come, his brothers and sisters come, and they're like, hey, Jesus, might be a good idea to leave. They, they basically thought Jesus was crazy. And so they were trying to protect him, and they were, I think, really trying to protect themselves. And Jesus like, no, I'm, I'm the son of God. They're like, dude, we've seen you. We know who you are. And you seem a little bit different. But Jesus like, no, 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 this is why I'm here. I'm the son of God. Now, here's what this also tells us, is that they think Mary's probably crazy, too. Because, again, they're not there to support her in this moment. And so I, I don't know if there's this rift in that family. It seems to be that, that way. But here's Jesus who's telling John to do something. John's really not supposed to do, but John's like, I'll do it. I will take care of your mom. I will watch your mom. Here's what I find interesting about that part. Not too long from now, Jesus' brothers and sisters, after Jesus comes back from the dead and is resurrected, guess what? They start to believe. They're like, he's not crazy. In fact, his brother James becomes really the lead pastor of that first church there in Jerusalem. And so we have this happening within the beginning part of our event today. Look at verse 28. It says, Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. We're going to come back to that. Verse 29. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it. Put the sponge on the stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. This is actually not the first time Jesus has been offered something to drink. In Matthew 27, as he's heading to the cross, he's offered this wine mixed with myrrh. Uh, the Jewish people would make this because it was really an anesthetic. It would dull the senses of the person who would drink it. Uh, Jesus was heading to the cross, and they said, let, let us help you dull what's getting ready to happen. Jesus gets it in his mouth, and he actually spits it out. The reason is pretty simple. Jesus doesn't want to dull his senses. He wants to experience everything in that moment. But then here we have him up on the cross, and he says, I am thirsty. And, and so we have these soldiers. They're down below, and they hand him this wine vinegar, which sounds horrible, right? They hand him this wine vinegar. It was kind of interesting how they would do this. It would actually come kind of in a bucket. And they would take sponges, and they would put the sponge in there, and this is how the soldiers would drink it. It was cheap. It was easy to get. The soldiers would drink this quite a bit. It uh, didn't have really any alcohol content to it, even though it's called wine vinegar. I think it was more sour than anything. But they would drink it out of a sponge. I don't know if we have any NCAA basketball fans here. You guys remember Jerry Tarkanian from back in the day? None of you? Okay, great. Anyway, <laughs> where do I live? Um, so he had a towel, okay? Let me just tell you, this is really cool, even though none of you care. He had a towel, and he would suck on this towel every time on the bench, anytime he was coaching. Always wondered was on that towel. Doesn't mean anything to anybody here, so we'll throw that out. Anyway, back to the sponge. So they would drink out of the sponge, right? And so this is actually what they offer Jesus. They offer him this wine vinegar, 
in the sponge. And he drinks it. Why does he ask for this? Well, he's dehydrated. And Jesus says, I am thirsty. Now, now let, me, let me stop and say, there's nothing deep and theological behind him saying those words, okay? There, there's not some secret hidden meaning for Christians like, oh, I know what he's talking about when he says that. None of that. He literally is thirsty. His body is dehydrated. He needs something to drink. I mean, he's been out in this humidity. He's been up on this cross. He's been hanging out there. It's dusty. His tongue's probably swollen. And he's getting ready to say these last words. It's finished. And so it's like he he just needs this one little bit to take him over so he can make it. And so he says, I am thirsty. Because Jesus was literally thirsty. His body is crying out for something, for water to help him out. Those words... Um, those words always catch me every time I read them. Every time I, I go through this, this passage here in, in John 19, I always get stuck on those three words. I am thirsty. Again, there, there's not some deep meaning behind when Jesus says this. And yet when I think about us, I think, wow, there actually is a lot being said in that moment. I am thirsty. Because here's the deal, you and I, we, uh, we, have, physical, we have physical needs, right? We, we have physical moments where we need something to quench the thirst that, that we have. And part of it is because of the way our bodies are made. Our bodies are mostly made up of water. Two-thirds of our bodies are made up of water. And we know we can only go, we can go about three weeks without food. We can only go about three days without water. Our bones are about 31% water. Our blood's 92% water. I mean, water is something that we need within our system. It does a lot of things. It relieves any kind of tensions and pain that we have. It, it lubricates the joints. It, it keeps tissues moist. It cleanses toxins. It balances our temperature. This is what water does. Here's the funny part. Here in the United States, researchers have found that 75% of people in the United States are chronically dehydrated. And yet our bodies are screaming for water, right? We're like, I'm thirsty. I need something to quench it. We're like, ah, I'll grab something else. I know you need water, but I want something else to drink. And so we're physically dehydrated. This morning, I um, actually I brought a few drinks with me that I want to share with you. Because here's my guess. When you are physically dehydrated um, and you're thirsty, there's probably a drink that's like your go-to, Right? Like every time, you're like, man, I'm thirsty. I'm going to go get this drink. And so I, I'm going to share with you what I think are probably some of the drinks that, that you and I kind of, kind of gravitate towards. Here's maybe the first drink some of you, you go for. A Coke. Right? I'm thirsty, and nothing quenches my thirst better than a lot of sugar. And so you go and you grab a Coke. Now let me talk to my southern people for a moment. Especially if you're from the area I grew up in, in in North Carolina, the western part, you would say, I'm going to go get a Coke. Here's the deal that's any carbonated beverage, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about? Like, if you're going to go get a Pepsi, you still say, I'm going to go get a Coke. That's just what you would say. So, Mountain Dew, I'm going to get a Coke. That's what you say. So, some of us in this room, when we're thirsty, when we're, we're dehydrated, we're like, I know, I'm going to go get a sweet, sugary drink called Coca Cola, and that's going to take care of this thirst. And so maybe that's you when it comes to physical dehydration. For others in here, and this is for my hipster crew, okay? I had to throw this in here today, and I don't even know how to say it. Kombucha? Does that work? That's trash, people, okay? 
Isn't it like fermented tea, something, vinegar, foot sweat or something? I don't know what it is. Anyway, if you drink this, you probably wear Birkenstocks with white socks, okay? I'm right, aren't I? And you probably think paper straws work, and they don't, okay? They're terrible. You go to Kava and try to drink something out of those paper straws. So some of you in here, you're like, oh, I'm really thirsty. I'm going to get some that stuff to drink, all right? Others of you in here, and this, this tends to be grandparents or great-grandparents. I don't understand this at all. It's like 105 degrees. The humidity's like 200%. And you're like, hey, I got an idea. How about a hot cup of coffee? <laughs> you know those people? You're in here. I know you're in here hiding somewhere. And so that's what you do. You're like, man, I'm so thirsty. I've got to quench my thirst. I'm like, I'm going to get a hot cup of black coffee because that sounds, oh, that's delightful. And so you do that. You grab that. We like to keep it real here at The Journey. And for some of you, it's a nice cold beer, right? And there's a few of you in here like, I wonder what kind of beer he's got up on stage. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you. <laughs> it's Sam Adams. It's called White Christmas. And there's a reason it's been in the refrigerator for five months, okay? <laughs> but that's what you do, right? You're like, oh, I'm so thirsty. I'm going to get a cold beer. Now, beer has a lot of water in it. But it has a lot of alcohol, and I don't know if you know, but the water is good for you. The alcohol kind of reverses the effects of everything the water does. So we're like, man, that quenches my thirst. No, it doesn't, okay? No, it doesn't. But some of you, that's where you go. Um, of course, you know, we're talking about Gatorade, so some of us go to Gatorade. Again, kind of sugary. I don't know about you. I drink a Gatorade, and it's like, where's the water? I want to drink some water afterwards. So, you know, these are just a few of the drinks that, that, that you and I, we kind of go to. We're like, man, I'm so thirsty. I want to quench my thirst. And, and we go to these drinks, and we're like, oh, this is going to make me feel so much better. Can I be honest? These really don't quench our thirst. It's that one thing your mom told you you should drink all the time. Vodka. <laughs> I'm kidding. There's not vodka. Whew. Might need a vodka after today. I'm not sure. But anyway, I'm kidding. I don't even drink that stuff. But um, it's water, right? It's water. This is like the thing your mom's like, you got to drink a bunch of water. And back in the day, she like, go out to the water hose and drink as much water as you want. Now today, it's like, don't do that. Go do that. Okay, it's good for you. It's still water. But we drink water. And this is the thing that when we're thirsty, it quenches our thirst. Here's what I find so funny. Is we'll go to these drinks like, oh, I'm so thirsty, I'm dehydrated. We'll drink all these, and then we'll go grab a bottle of water afterwards, and we'll drink it. Why? Because water is the only thing that truly quenches this physical thirst that we have. And so when we're thirsty, when we're dehydrated, we need water in our system. We need it to do exactly what, what it's supposed to do, to reboot our system, to rebuild what's going on, to repair what's happening. These other drinks don't do that. Water's the only thing that will do that. And, and so like, like Jesus, now of course not to the extreme as Jesus, we're dehydrated physically. And so we find these things to drink. But, but I want to take this a step further and say that not only do we, we have those times of physical dehydration, but I think we have a lot of times of spiritual dehydration. You ever have those moments where you feel like your soul is kind of empty? Like, like there's this thirst, but it, it's not a physical thirst. It's a, it's a soul thirst. Like there's this hole inside of you, and you can't quite figure out how do you, how do you fill that hole? How do you quench that thirst that, that is there? Because our souls have kind of dried up. 
And, you know, we walk around, and here's what we say. We say, I am thirsty. I am thirsty. In her book, Vampireville, Ellen Schreiber, one of her characters, Luna Maxwell, says, I'm looking for someone to quench my thirst for all eternity. When our souls are dehydrated, you know what we do? We look for someone or something to quench this thirst that we have so deep down inside of us. And really, it's not any different than this physical dehydration. We all have a cooler. You, you and I, we, we have a cooler when our souls are dehydrated, when we're spiritually dehydrated. And we go to that cooler to, to get a drink to hopefully quench the thirst that we have. Now, it's not drinks like this. It's something different. And maybe for you, it's relationships. Like you, you're dehydrated in your soul. There's emptiness. And so you go and try to find relationships that can, that can quench that thirst. Now, I'm going to take it a step further. And, and for some of us in here, it's not just the relationship. It's, it's love. Like we're looking for that physical connection with someone else. And, and when our soul is empty, when, when there's thirst deep down, it's like maybe this is the thing that will quench that thirst. And so we keep going into these different relationships looking for something to quench what's there. So some of it's relationships. Some of it's love. For others of us, it's our career. We've got this, this hole there. We've got this thirst. And so we go to our career and we're like, I know how I can quench my thirst. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to work longer hours. I'm going to work on the weekends. I'm going to take all these business trips. And maybe it makes us feel good for a little bit, but guess what? You're still going to be thirsty. Maybe it's addictions. Maybe you're here this morning, and in your cooler there are addictions. You, you choose your addiction. And, and there's a thirst deep down, and you think, well, this addiction is going to help me. It's going to make me feel whole. It's going to make me feel like I'm, I'm not thirsty anymore. And so, so we drink from those drinks to quench our thirst. And the reality is we're still thirsty. So we have physical dehydration, but we have spiritual dehydration too. And you and I, we have coolers. I've got a cooler too. And, and there are things in my cooler that when my soul is feeling kind of, kind of thirsty, man, I go to that cooler but that's not how this is supposed to work. We're looking for something. We're looking for someone to, to quench that thirst. But, but Jesus says, no, I, I got this taken care of for you. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the Samaritan woman. Sean Cronin was here. And he's talking about the Samaritan woman and, and Jesus. And he, he read these words out of John 4. And Jesus says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus tells her, for her specifically, your relationships are in your cooler. He's like, no, they're not going to give you what you want. I'm the only one that can quench the thirst that you have. You have to drink from my living water. And I think you and I have to be reminded of that, that we have a cooler, but, but what's in it's not going to quench our thirst. We're still going to be thirsty. And Jesus says, now here, let me take care of that for you. Let me give you this living water. And, and then your, your soul, it will not thirst anymore. It will not have any more soul dehydration that's happened. Let me quench your thirst. That is the power of Easter. That's the story of Easter, honestly. The story of Easter is Jesus being here on this earth and dying. But, but the best part is he comes back to life. And, and that's, what, 
That's what fills our souls. That's what, that's what takes care of the thirst that we have. That's what quenches that dehydration that we experience. It's the story of Easter. We can come back to these drinks and say, hey, I'm going to drink one of these when I am dehydrated, when I am thirsty. But we all know water is the only thing that fully quenches our thirst. And when it comes to our spiritual dehydration, we can say, hey, the things in my cooler, they're going to be good enough. But you know what? Only Jesus can fully quench the thirst that we have deep down inside. I love what John writes in Revelation. There's um, this moment, and it's the same John who's there at um, the cross with, with Jesus and his mom. He writes these words in Revelation chapter 7, verse 15. It says, Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not be down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. Right before John writes this, um, he says there's this large crowd of people that are present there. And the question is kind of why? Well, because they finally understood the only thing that would quench their thirst was Jesus. And so they became followers of Jesus. They were, they were following Jesus. Jesus was leading them. And in this moment, they're experiencing that living water. They will never be thirsty again. And I think it's the same thing that Jesus tells us. Because you and I, we walk around through our life and we're like, I am thirsty. And Jesus says, well, let me quench your thirst. Follow me. And if you do that, <laughs> you'll never thirst. When you think about those words from Jesus, when you think about the story of Easter and what we just read there in Revelation, um, I think there's some steps that you and I can learn to take when when we kind of have this full cooler of, of things that we think will quench our thirst. So let me share those three things with you right now. The first one is, you and I, we have to empty our cooler. Because our cooler is full. So we have to empty our cooler. Last fall, I was playing on a softball team, Fairfax County softball team. It was partly journey people from the church and then partly some community people. And it was our first game we were playing over at um, South Run. And uh, so we get there to the game, and the other team shows up, and, and one of their guys has, I don't know if you've ever seen this, a remote control cooler. That's like nerdiest nerd thing, right? So he doesn't have that, one of these coolers. He's got the big old thing you can pull around. He's got this remote control cooler, and he's, he's driving it all over the place. It was actually kind of neat. But um, so, so he gets it there, and he puts it right behind. He's setting, he doesn't really play a whole lot, but um, he, he's, as you can imagine, but he's sitting there right behind the fence, and He's got this cooler there, and it's got speakers on it, right? So they're, they're blasting country music, which is horrible to play softball to. They're blasting country music out while we're, we're playing. And the cooler wasn't empty, right? I mean, they're drinking beers while they're playing. They're smoking cigarettes while they're playing. They're smashing home runs while we're playing. And we're like, what are we doing wrong? I mean, working for them, guys. I don't know. But anyway... We lost both of those games really bad. But um, by the way, doesn't that sound like a country song? Like pull up your cooler with the music and the drinking the beer and smoking a cigarette and smash home runs. That sounds like a country song somewhere. Here's the deal. This cooler may have been pretty neat and did some cool things, but it's just a cooler. And, and you and I, you know what? We, we have a cooler too. And, 
And, and the reality is we think what's in it is kind of neat and kind of cool, and maybe even the way it looks, but the reality is it's just a cooler. We need to empty our cooler. We need to dump out all the contents that are in here, relationships and love and career and money and addictions and whatever it may be. We just got to dump it out. We got to empty our cooler. And once we do that, once we empty our cooler, the next thing is we got to drink in Jesus. This is one of the most simple and hard things to do, I think, at the same time. Look, here's a simple part. It just means spending some time with Jesus Christ. It means taking a few moments every day and just reading some scripture. And I know some of you hear that and you're thinking, I'm not going to read a whole book or a whole chapter. Man, read a verse. Go to Proverbs. Read a verse a day. There's great stuff in there. Just take a moment to drink in Jesus through some passages of scripture. And then pray. Just spend a moment in prayer. You want to drink in Jesus? Those are two of the best things that you can do. Read some scripture and pray. That's why we put those devotional books together here at The Journey. We want to give you something, a tool that you can use. And so read some scripture. Pray. Worship corporately like this. Be here in this place. Experience experience this every Sunday. And then during the week, worship however you worship alone. If it's out at the gym, it's out for a walk, it's hike, whatever it may be, driving in traffic. I don't know what it is. But whatever it is, just spend that time where you're just like, hey, this is, this is me and Jesus' time together. Serving is another way we drink in Jesus. Next week, we're going to drink in a lot of Jesus together. We're going to package those 15,000 meals. Guess what? We're drinking in Jesus in those moments. So we have to get to this place where we can finally let go of what's in our cooler. we got to dump it out and drink in Jesus. And then once we do that, it leads us to this third thing, to let Jesus quench your thirst. Let Jesus quench your thirst. I think I know what I need. I think I know what will work. But the reality is what's in my cooler never fully quenches the thirst that my soul has. It's only in those moments where I dump it out and I drink in Jesus that I experience, I experience in my life that thirst being gone. And and again, it's hard because we kind of go back and, and forth. And sometimes we're like, hey, this stuff's going to take care of me. And then it's like, nope, Jesus is going to take care of me. Nope, this stuff's going to take care of me. We kind of go back and forth. Jesus says, let me be your living water. Let me take care of you. Let me quench your thirst. But you and I, to do that, we've got to begin by emptying the cooler. Because the reality is, all of us in this room, we're thirsty. And we're looking for something to quench that thirst. And Jesus says, hey, I've got what you need. Let me quench that thirst for you.